Welcome to the Selling Without Sleeves podcast with me, Sarah Jolly Jarvis. I'm here to share with you real life stories from high performing salespeople and business owners, as well as my own insights and learnings around what's working well right now in the sales world, telling things like it is without the sleeves. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I'm your host Sarah Jolly Jarvis and I am here today to talk to you about selling on a screen. So this has come about really uh, through <laughs> through changes in the way that we are able to connect with people and network with people and over the last few weeks I've been I've been a bit more sociable actually. I've been networking online and, and talking to people who I would normally see face to face and you know that includes sort of local networking as well as, as further afield um which is the plus point you know before you were restricted by geography you would speak to people in business who were based in your area whereas now you can go outside of your area you can really spread those wings and be talking to people and finding you know the right people not just the people who um tick that box and are based nearby so um you know it is a great opportunity it's been a great opportunity for some of these uh, businesses as i said last week on the podcast you know it is really i find it really inspiring maybe i just get overexcited with these things um, and I'm easily inspired but I find it really inspiring the way that businesses are adapting um, and you know they're going online they're doing things they're using technology that they haven't used before um, the thing when you do that is that it brings up sort of new issues new um, experiences to overcome and get used to and one of those things is you know selling on a screen selling online versus face to face now obviously this journey can start a lot sooner than the actual sales calls so you know generating leads online I've got a client who used to go to networking events Um, when we sat down and actually worked out and I'll come on to opportunity cost in a bit because I think it's really important important um but you know when you actually start uh, sitting down and looking at the time and money that you invest in these things um other options actually don't look as as crazily expensive um but you know turning up face to face talking to people building a rapport is a great way to go though you know as far as making um a building a relationship um building a rapport with somebody's consent that face to face is difficult to beat um you know you can do stuff online you can obviously pre-sell people more um but there's a lot to be said um for the the value that's in that face-to-face conversation because you know those that person can really get to know you within a short space of time it's quite intense it's one-to-one uh it's a conversation and and they're getting all those senses out there um so it's helping you to to know like and trust people uh quicker but in the event that you actually can't do that um or you know be that geography or or restrictions then you need to look at how you can maximize what you have and what you have is you know now is is pretty decent you know video um conferencing you've got all sorts of different options out there obviously zoom has come to the fore um which i'm delighted about because before that before lockdown and people were having to i was having to talk three people through how exactly to use zoom connect with it it's a bit of a pain in that you needed to register etc etc but now people are using it for both personal use and business and so and there's a you know much wider spread of businesses getting onto zoom Uh, so you know people are a lot more familiar with the technology so i haven't of late had to explain to somebody what zoom is and and how to connect and, and get on it so that we can have a conversation the 
plus point of video conferencing, um, obviously you've got Skype and other things which are out there. Um, the reason that I personally moved from Skype, we used it nonstop when we were traveling until we started using FaceTime. Uh, but it's, it was the reliability of the connection um, wasn't there in the same way as we can experience with Zoom. So that is why we made that uh, that that switch. Um, and and to be fair, it was more it, the switch was made as a sort of conscious shift when we were working using it for work um, and the business because you, you you know you want it to be that bit more reliable. Um, obviously, I like the the function of being able to video it as well. Um, works really really well. I like that from an, an internal point of view, from a business point of view. Uh, I can keep a, a record of my calls and my clients so that they can refer back to them. But equally, uh, I get my clients to do recordings as well. Um, for training purposes so I will look through and and watch those videos which is really quite nice um, it saves me having to sit in on a call in the same way so you can be more natural yet you can still get that feedback from me as far as um as, as how the call went and improvements that you could make. Uh, I had a client actually who sent me one the other day who I need to look through. Um, I, I genuinely get quite excited about these things, but <laughs> at the moment I've had my head buried in the whole book scenario. But anyway, we won't go on to that because I talked about that last time. So talking around your product, talking around um, pre-selling, you know, you can be pre-selling people online with content. So uh, the client I have who was purely networking, um, I actually ironically knew them from um, online um, and they, they signed up to my academy. But originally they were uh, purely lead generating through networking events. So for them, they were familiar with the online world, but they just hadn't used it in, in a way of building their network, in a way of selling. And so we set about working on the type of posts that they put out, the type of content. And obviously, the you know, first stop was what platform are your ideal customers on? Um, and so understanding where his people that he'd known from networking, um, where do they hang out? Where are the people who bought from him at networking? I mean, the, the plus point um is that you know you can look and you can see how effective was that approach how many people did i need to speak to how long did i need to attend meetings before i started to see some sort of of come back from it and um, some sort of return so you know you can do your maths on that and figure that out uh going online it's thinking about well what resonated with people who am i trying to attract what am i trying to say how am i trying to educate people about what i do the key th mistake that people make when they're based online they've been online from a social point of view they might have got to know people through business but they haven't sold online is that they don't actually tell people what they do um i'm still <laughs> discovering what some of my network some of my you know very close network actually do um i have a vague idea but those posts where you're explaining what you do who you are um you know putting them out every sort of two to three weeks if you're growing your audience is not a bad thing um you know it's certainly not something that is going to be offensive uh, and you are assuming that people see all your posts which they don't so you know please do make sure that you are putting information out there to let people know what you do so that you know if they actually need your services it turned out recently that I needed the services of somebody that I've known for 
over 18 months. Um, they're in my group, they're in other groups that I'm in. Um, and yet I had no idea. So make sure that that person that you are getting that information out there to make it as easy as possible for people to buy from you, but also refer to you. So you're putting information out, you're putting content out, and there's all sorts of different posts that you can do so that people can get engaged and understand. There's case studies, there's what I call two-step posts where you're putting out information and finding out who would be interested in finding out more. Um, you're basically asking people to metaphorically put their hand up and say, yep, I'm interested in what you do. Now, you know, that's not really that dissimilar to the sorts of conversations you might have in networking. You know, you are equipping your audience, you are equipping the people that you come across to understand what they, what you do. And, you know, if relevant, they will refer people to you. People are fundamentally helpful, okay? If they understand that somebody has a problem and they know somebody who's going to fix it, people like to share that information. Um, you know, you have the odd one who likes to, you know, keep their little secret weapon secret. But the vast majority of people are happy and, and want to share. Um, you know, the issue comes is when they're, they're sharing the wrong people or, you know, they're, they're trying to be helpful, but actually it's it's not overly helpful. Uh, so, you know, be aware of that. Be aware that people that you're talking to, they might not be your ideal customer, but they might know people who are. And so always keep that in mind. And when you are informing somebody about what you do, super succinctly top level uh, so that they could go away and you know if it was Chinese whispers what could they turn that into if they got confused by your message what could it become so be super super clear so they can be clear um, and you know refer the right people into you so changing up your networking you know, if you think about the hours that were spent, that the main objection that I got was, oh, the, you know, it's going to take ages. All I did was go along to a networking event and I'd pick up business. Yep. But when you actually sit down and you start working out that opportunity cost. So whilst you're doing that thing, that networking thing, what could you be doing? OK, what could you be earning? How many hours out of your week are you actually taking your working week? Are you actually taking to do these things? Now, I am not by any means anti-networking, but at the moment, it's about understanding, you know, you can't network in the same way. You can't get those groups of people together. You can go online, which is more efficient, and I'm a big fan of that. But it's looking at one approach versus another. And lots of people dig their heels in and they're like, no, this is what I've done. Um, and, you know, sort of even paid I've compared it to and and illustrated a saving with paid traffic um, because, you know, you just don't take into consideration the whole picture. When you first start out, you have lots of time, probably not as much money. Um, that's the way it normally goes when you're setting up a business. You're on a budget, um, but you do have time on your hands because you're committing your time to it. So that means that you are less picky with your time. As time goes on, um, people hopefully do get more picky but sometimes that habit is still there and so it's always worth figuring out how many hours does that take you you're looking at two resources in your business your time and your money and it's figuring out which one am I spending and am I spending it to the best of my ability you know, for example we've just got an additional support person in who's working really as an executive assistant and PA um, the reason they're doing that is because that frees up our time when we were monitoring our time on Asana using EverHour, there are obviously other combinations available, but that's what we use. Um, you know, it was became apparent that we were 
spending a lot of time doing stuff that actually it didn't add any value for us to be doing it. We would be better off spending it business developing, talking to customers, um, being customer facing, even writing content rather than um, behind the scenes, figuring stuff out for accountants and chasing stuff up and looking at invoices and all the sort of admin stuff that you need to do to make a company run. So, you know, the decision was made based on the information that we we obtained that um, from tracking our time that it made sense to get somebody to help us with those jobs. Um, and so that's why we have a, a new team member that Martin and I share. So, you know, it's all it's all great if you are measuring it, but otherwise you're just a bit like stabbing around in the dark. So going back to something like a comparison between networking and other lead generation options, you know, working out if you're going to a meeting once a week, because you have to go to the meeting once a week, if you're paying for membership and then a meal, then how much is it that actually costing you per month? How much is it costing you for the leads that you're getting? And this is where your basic cost of customer acquisition comes from. Okay, so it's figuring out how much am I spending to get these leads? And then from these leads, how many people do I actually convert? And these maths can really help you to understand how much you can afford to or how much you are currently, maybe you can't afford it, but this is what you're currently spending on generating those leads. Now, the opportunity cost is working out what could you be doing with your time. Now, I have spoken to people who, you know, they've ended up with quite nightmare clients and when you've looked at the amount of time that they've spent actually on that account, working that account for that person, um, implementing whatever they need to implement in their business um, or producing resources that then um, is a delay in payment, how much is that person actually holding back your finances? How much is that person actually taking up your time? And it works out that actually you would get a better return working, transferring that time, so taking that time and swapping it for a you know a minimum wage job like genuinely I have had professional clients who when they've worked out the hours that they've spent on an account and um, they they would have been better off um, as a supervisor in McDonald's um, having gone to university studied everything else so you know the cost incurred with educating themselves at that level um, to then not actually earn anything in addition to it so it's always worth doing that sense check. How much are these customers costing me? Um, how much time am I investing in them? And, you know, I've I've even spoken to, to people who I've said, you know, how much would you pay to have a full day with your family? And that has been in excess of what they're earning, doing what they're doing. So, you know, it is really important to sense check these things and adjust your pricing accordingly. Um, again, some of the, the most difficult customers tend to be the ones that are paying the least, um, ironically. So, you know, be aware of where the money's coming from and, you know, who is taking up most of your resources. So what is the difference when you start selling? So we've, we've generated those leads through whichever form. We've agreed to have a bit of a conversation to determine if you're right for that person. What's What's different online to face-to-face? Well, 
obviously you have the requirement of a decent internet connection. Now, um, this might sound a little basic, but if you're having to faff around, if it's breaking up, the momentum of the conversation is really affected. That does not happen in an actual face-to-face -face scenario. Um, you might get interruptions, but you'll... <laughs> You can still get interruptions of phone calls and people asking questions and stuff whilst you're on a video conference, but the whole breaking up of the communication line is a bit of an awkward one, so make sure decent um, internet connection. Tick. Um, after that, you know, you're looking at the the reason why I like video conferencing, even before video conferencing took off and people were as familiar with it, is because you have the same senses then as having that conversation face to face you're able to see their face their expressions their body language and it can give you a much more rounded indication of what that person is feeling thinking um, and how they're responding to the, the conversation I think for whatever reason it isn't quite as good I think because you're not probably getting the whole picture because it's in an, an alien setting in that people are um, having these conversations and they're having them um, over a screen they're they're less natural um, so you know they aren't as good as face to face but they're they're as close as you can get you've got the sensors there um, you've got the awareness and from a plus point you're actually seeing that person in their own environment they might not be as relaxed because currently they're not as familiar with it but you are seeing what their environment's like which can give you a real insight into the person and their interests you know lots of conversations have been struck up um, about things in the background and it's that opportunity to understand that person whereas if you'd met them in a coffee shop um, or in a more business setting you wouldn't know that they were for instance into Star Trek or something else so it's always worth noting um, and you know it's it's a nice sort of conversation um, icebreaker when you, you've got common ground to talk around so um, I do not know where Star Trek came from because that is definitely not common talking ground for me but anyway we will move on so you know you've got that insight um, if you aren't able to video conference, if that is a step too far, then obviously it's a phone call. Um, with a phone call, you can feel more under pressure because it's that it's the energy, the exchanges of it's a verbal communication only. You can get some tone in there, um, obviously, but you know it's not as a all round a picture. And so you know you can feel more under pressure to to be talking, to be filling the silence on a phone call and so you know it's well worth bearing that in mind um silences are good especially if you ask a customer a question um it's very easy to feel awkward by a silence and then fill that gap so you know what are your thoughts i have seen people time and time again say you know what do you think about that or um so you know would you like to go ahead with that and then they've got really uncomfortable by the silence and then they've decided to fill it with an excuse that they've offered up for the customer um, which is then totally ruining the momentum of the call um, and potentially the direction of the sale so silences need to be something that we get used to but you know it's that getting comfortable being a little bit uncomfortable um, the plus point is is that in in theory you know silences are uncomfortable for both so that's 
you know it's prompting your customer to speak um, but that isn't always the case and if they're not prepared to if they're not ready to if they're not comfortable doing so and um, you're kind of forcing them to respond when they don't want to so you know well worth uh, bearing in mind that you are going to feel potentially more pressured over a phone call um, obviously more and more people are taking to messenger and actually messaging conversations um, which in, to be honest, um, yes, it's unusual um, for some people. Uh, it still feels quite alien, but I know people who are doing very well um, purely talking to people on Messenger. Um, so Facebook Messenger or WhatsApp. Um, obviously, you've got the WhatsApp for business now, um, but that's just, yeah. Anyway, we won't go into that. Um, don't install it if you've already got WhatsApp because it migrates your WhatsApp all the way across into the business one and then you've still got your, if you wanted to use it as something to keep your business and um, friends separate, um, you do need two different hand devices, two different phone numbers for it. Um, but anyway, moving on. Um, you know, having the conversations over Messenger, um, for some people, for some customers, they feel more comfortable. They don't like and the intensity of an actual live conversation and they prefer the messages where if they feel like you're getting a bit salesy if you feel like they, you're getting a bit sleazy they can just stop answering and um, whereas you feel rude and obliged to continue to listen to somebody if you're on a phone call with them so it can be a nice way of warming somebody up um you know you've all been at face-to-face events where you've managed to get collared by somebody who just will not stop talking at you and then you feel quite trapped and then you're like that was brilliant I just spoke to that one single person who I have nothing in common with um and who cannot help me move my business forward at all um so you know it happens in real life I get why people are reluctant you know people use their phones more and more for alternative things to phone calls um when my phone rings I'm like oh look it's ringing um you know it's not the regular occurrence it's not what you necessarily use it for so it is worth bearing in mind that people might be more comfortable connecting with you and having conversations with you uh, on WhatsApp or Messenger. And if that's the case, then all um, direct message um, on Instagram. So, you know, it's worth bearing that in mind. Um, meet your customer where they're comfortable and, and, and get that conversation going. If it's easier to get into a live conversation, then suggest a call. Um, if that person doesn't take you up on it, then that's fine. Um, you are going to be more effective getting onto a call, but it's judging the pace of the conversation and what the person's saying as to you know at what point you want to start suggesting that um, and getting them into a live conversation. So for me, live conversations are the most effective, but um, you know go at the pace of your customer um, so as you know to work with them. Um, rather than work to your agenda, um, which may may be a little bit too full on for them, um, it might be too much of a commitment. So, you know, find find that common ground, start those conversations, understand where that person's at, work and, and inform them and provide the information they're asking for, and then when you can get them onto an actual call. Some people will be happy to continue the conversation all the way through to purchase, having never actually spoken to you verbally, just over messenger. Um, It happens, people find it unusual, but it just depends on your customer um, and the type of person they are. Um, They may just feel more comfortable doing that. So, you know, and thinking about it versus the face-to-face stuff, there's no way that you can do that um, in a face-to-face, face-to-face scenario. So it is opening up more options for you. So, you know, out of these 
challenging times um, does come opportunities for you to communicate differently with your customer and to make your customer feel more confident and comfortable doing so so that's it from me today guys i hope that has been a, a useful insight uh, next time i'm going to be talking around not handing your business over for somebody else to control so um it sounds a little bit cryptic but basically you know looking at the pros and cons of getting somebody else to do your sales and marketing for you what you want to be looking out for um, and why i believe the best thing to do is to upskill yourself so thanks for listening today guys and i will speak to you again next time happy selling thanks for listening to the selling without sleeves podcast if you enjoyed this episode please head over to itunes or stitcher or wherever you're listening from to leave us a review it's a good way for us to know what you like so we can create more of it 